Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of The Occasionalists. Matt Pagel here once again, flying this ship solo as we wrap up our best of the best week. Um, happy Thanksgiving to everyone out there. Hope, hopefully it was uh, full of food and family and fun and football, probably, for everyone out there. Um, as you can probably tell, there was no episode yesterday. Didn't seem, didn't seem like there was any point in putting on an episode on uh, such a big holiday. Um, no one's going to listen to it. No one's going to notice it. Um, I wasn't on social media or doing anything like that uh, all Thanksgiving Day, so I'm assuming that a lot of you kind of took the same route. So instead of trying to, you know, jam one in on uh, jam one episode in in a day where it's just going to get uh, washed away, just figured I might as well wait and do a double episode, a double mini-sode uh, to wrap up this best of the best week. So we're talking about two things this today to wrap up the week. We are doing the best best of the best celebrations and best of the best sports villains. Um, so this is uh, this is definitely going to be a fun one. I've been looking forward to doing both of these. So we're going to start with the celebration first. And I think it, it is kind of interesting to note here that um, when you really think about it, there's very, very few iconic celebrations, very few um, that like you can really tie into one person, one team, um, you know, one sort of, you know, a college program, whatever. There really aren't that many. And, and I, so I think some people will kind of argue about certain things, but I, I would say that some things aren't really celebrations so much as traditions, um, you know, like the, um, like the the flying tee for like uh, for like Rocky Top for like the when Tennessee you know starts the football games off. It's not really. I mean, I guess it's a celebration kind of, um, and so like it, it's close. It's it's I guess it's celebration adjacent. Um, there's other there's some other things um, you know that uh, that maybe just miss the mark. A little bit um, in terms of celebration, simply because, and we'll get into this a, a few more details here. But um, simply because, like, you can't celebrate certain things, it's, which it sounds weird, but um, you'll see what I'm talking about here in a second. So, so yeah, we'll we'll get into all of that here, and we'll break it down. We'll give a a top three with the with the number one being, in my opinion, the top celebration, the best of the best of all sports celebrations. So, like I said, rarely do we really get a get a consistent, good, long-term celebration. And that's for a number of reasons. Most athletes don't play long enough to establish one celebration. You know, think about, think about all, the, all, the, all the times you watched a football game and, you know, wide receiver, running back, quarterback, whomever, you know, whoever's scoring touchdowns, um, how many times you saw a good celebration, but it, it only lasted, you know, for like the – it was a blink of an eye, basically. Um, so, and that happens a lot, you know. Whether it's a, a you know, a fun touchdown dance, a good spike, something along those lines. You know, thinking right now of uh, the time on uh, when uh, time when Ezekiel Elliott was on uh, the Cowboys. You know, he would jump into the um, he would jump into the Salvation Army, like the giant red kettle that was on the field or whatever, like that kind of stuff. It's great celebration, but. You know Zeke was only able to do it a couple of times. Um, you know because you only you only get so many you only get so many Thanksgiving Day opportunities, and you only get um, you only get so many um, you know so many chances to score touchdowns on those in those opportunities. I think he I think he did it a couple other times during like the Christmas uh, the Chris the the Christmas uh, not necessarily Christmas Day games. Obviously the NBA has Christmas Day games, but the Christmas time games too. I think he did it a couple other times, but it wasn't really like it was a long-term celebration for him. Uh, but that kind of, you know, it's just, 
it just most you know it's not like some, this is something that Zeke did from day one all the way to I mean no he's still playing but you know years later it's it's not like he's still doing it so most most athletes don't just play long enough to establish one celebration also kind of in that same vein even the ones that do play long enough they kind of very few of them have like one thing that they do um, you know be it a touchdown touchdown dance um, you know end zone dance a sack dance or something. Uh, a home run celebration, strikeout celebration, whatever. Very few guys have just one thing that they always do necessarily. Um, and then, you know, so that that's sort of like the main one, I think, that really kind of cuts down on us having like a, a big thing of like a big sampling of, obviously we have a lot of celebrations to choose from, but not that many that are like really closely tied to one player or anything. So I think that's why. Um, and that's like the biggest thing. I think the second thing is that, most of the most of the leagues prohibit certain types of celebrations. Um, there are no props, no taunting. Um, you know, you can't, you can't. Um, there's certain things you can and can't do with a ball in celebration. Like I, I, I don't think you can kick a football after you've scored a touchdown. Like you can't kick it in the stands. Um, you look at flag forward or whatever. So the you know the crackdown on on celebrations. Um, the crackdown on celebrations in certain leagues is um, does kind of prohibit what you can do. And obviously some leagues have kind of come back around on it a little bit. Like the NFL there for a while, and it was because of the prop stuff. Like if you guys remember the uh, the, the incredible Joe Horn um, celebration where he scored four touchdowns in like the first half of a, of a Monday Night Football game. And I can't remember if it was on the fourth one or if it was on the third one. But he had he had put a cell phone into the padding and this is back in the days of flip phones. Um, he put a cell phone into the padding of the of the uprights for the field goal posts. And after either it was, it was after either his third or his fourth touchdown, he pulled the cell phone out, like flipped it open, like he was making a call, um, which was I- iconic. It's iconic. But um, you know, and then I think I think that same season or maybe the next season, Terrell Owens scored a touchdown on Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football. And, um, you know, he, he had a, a Sharpie in his, in his sock that he signed the ball with and gave it to somebody. Um, and so the NFL was kind of like, okay, so we can't do props and we need to crack down on this kind of stuff. And a lot of, a lot of things were, um, a lot of celebrations were then kind of neutered in the NFL for several years before more recently they've come back around and loosened the reins on the celebrations. But still, leagues do prohibit certain celebrations. Um, you know, you can... Especially, you know, again, I've mentioned the I'm mentioning the NFL because I think the the most like prominent um, case of this, but also the NCAA years ago, um, in pretty much in response to the University of Miami, in response to the Hurricanes, they banned a ton of celebrations. And while that is, while that has come down a little bit, you really can't. You can go on the sidelines and celebrate um, in college football, which is great, but. Um, the the sort of the, the Miami the Miami Hurricanes of the '80s definitely had a little bit too much fun, and as a result, no one is allowed to have that much fun ever again. Um, but uh, you know, kind of is what it is with college football. But I, to some degree, you can some degree like you can kind of understand because the U took it very very far. But at the same time, I I don't know what I don't know what harm it is for a college kid to spike a football and do a dance. Quite frankly. Um, some sports aren't even actually set up to showcase celebrations, really. Um, I, just thinking about like basketball, for example, you know, you might you might hit like a really clutch three pointer or something, you know, that that puts you up with like a few seconds to go in the game. But really, the, like the way the speed of the game and the way like you get such a quick turnaround offense to defense, 
you don't usually have that much time to sort of pimp the celebration. Maybe you do a look, you know, you keep the hand up while you, when you hit your three, do a little uh, Steph Curry shimmy, something like that. But you really don't have like a lot of time to do an elaborate, elaborate celebration. Even on like a thunderous dunk, you know, you can kind of you can kind of do a little bit of you know glaring. Um, you know, maybe you're maybe you're uh, you know you get to do like the LeBron. Um, the LeBron, uh, I forgot what he calls his uh, his dance, whatever, but like his celebration dance. But those are only after like maybe like a timeout or something like that or like a moment where there's a pause in the, in the action because basketball is just so back and forth. It's just the way it works. Um, same with, you know, baseball, the, the way that baseball sort of polices itself, if you will, um, and the way the certain certain people in baseball think the game is supposed to be played. You know, so you don't really see guys pimping home runs that much, uh, for fear of the next one coming up and getting them in the head or the shoulder or something like that. Um, you don't really see you don't really see too many pitchers uh, really getting other than maybe letting out a scream or a fist pump or something like that. You really don't see too many pitchers getting in the face of um, getting in the face of a batter. And you know, it, it's I think it's just the way the sport kind of just the way the sport polices itself, but also the way it kind of plays out, like. You know, you struck someone out this time. You know, hopefully, you know, next time you got to be on your game if you're going to be, if you're going to be really that flagrant about it. Um, I, I don't know. It's just, it, it's just some sports again just aren't really set up to um, to really put the celebration at the front. And then, you know, lastly here, not everyone can participate in a celebration. Um, you know, generally speaking. In most sports, you only have a few guys that really are your designated scorers. Obviously, basketball and hockey, you know, and baseball for that matter, basically everyone can score. Um, you know, but you really even even in those sports, you really have not everyone is necessarily supposed to score. Your your defensive men in the NHL aren't supposed to score necessarily. Neither is your goalie, but they can. Um, your um, you know your uh, you know, your defensive rebounding center does score points, but he's obviously not out there trying to score like Kevin Durant or LeBron or someone of that ilk. So not everyone necessarily is in on the participation of these celebrations simply because they're not designated to score. Obviously, football's a little bit, football's the better example of it, um, seeing as how most of the guys on the field at any given time cannot score, um, unless there's a turnover on defense. But again, we're getting, to, we're getting into the minutia of this. Um, so simply because not everyone can participate, it does cut down on some of the creativity of some of the scoring celebrations. So those are the reasons why we don't have a ton, a very, don't have a very significant wide variety of celebrations, but it still leaves us with plenty to pick from. Um, and we even have, so what, what I did here just grabbed a top three, I think that really sort of, um, really sort of embody what they mean to the sport and sort of, I also kind of broke them down um, to sort of showcase like exactly how, how the, the sports celebrate, how there's a way to celebrate in each sport, right? Like, you know, you can, there certain celebrations like cross crossover, right? Like, you know, like the big team, the big team scrum after like a game winning goal that happens in hockey happens in soccer Happens in baseball on a walk-off. Happens in football on a, on a long, you know, on a field goal to, to win the game. Those kind of things cross over. But in this case, I wanted to sort of narrow it down to the things that only happen, can only happen in their individual sports. You will see exactly what I mean. This will make much more sense when we get into it. So let's start with number three in our top three, 
And that, uh, that is going to be, we're going to go back to the year 2015 uh, in the MLB playoffs. The bat flip heard around the world. Jose Batista's bat flip on his go-ahead three-run home run. I believe it was against the Texas Rangers. I can't remember who the pitcher was. Sam Huff, maybe, or Sean, Sean Huff. I can't remember who it was. doesn't really matter. whole point is uh, uh, Jose Batista hit one of the biggest home runs, outside of Joe Carter's home run, of course, one of the biggest home runs in Blue Jays history. And he celebrated with one of the most emphatic bat flips you'll ever see. He pimped the hell out of this thing. Watches it go. Um, I mean, he annihilated this ball, too. Watches this thing hit the upper deck. And does a real emphatic, throws the bat basically straight up in the air about like 10, 12 feet um, after watching the home run for a second. And I mean, it truly is one of the greatest, if not the greatest bat flips in the history of uh, Major League Baseball. But I think what is more important for this bat flip is that this felt like felt like this kind of opened the door to more more emphatic bat flip celebrations and home run celebrations in general. Be they bat flips, bat spikes, I, you definitely saw this pick up an increase in um, frequency after 2015, after this home run. I'm not saying necessarily that it was like uh, all of a sudden like the gateway opened or, or something, you know, the, the floodgates opened or something like that. And I don't think there were any rule changes or anything specifically or any kind of language or anything specifically in the MLB rule book. I think it was just sort of a – it just sort of signaled that the attitudes of – again – Baseball kind of polices itself, right? We, we, you know, the the pitchers and the hitters take care of a lot of stuff in between the lines, and I think this was sort of one of the signals that more of the modern player, there are more modern players who were okay with this kind of stuff than there weren't anymore. You know, 15 years ago, um, or I should say, so this was in 2015. So let's go 15 years prior to to the bat flip. So let's just go back to the year 2000. Had Jose Bautista or someone else, uh, you know, I don't know, um, Albert Pujols had done that, or I don't know if Albert Pujols was a rookie then, um, or even in the league at that point. But Ken Griffey Jr. in 2000 had he uh, had he done that kind of bat flip, and he did, he he definitely pimped his home runs for that for that era. But I think if Ken Griffey Jr. had um, done that kind of bat flip, even someone of his stature within the game would have gotten one, um, would have taken a pitch right in the hip or gotten one up behind his head for doing that and fast forward 15 years later 2015 and obviously onward to now the bat flip is not only not only common but celebrated celebrated by major league baseball and all social media channels if you if you follow them um you know individual teams or the league you will see you will see uh, major league baseball definitely um you know highlighting the the bat flips and uh and things like that and things of that nature um every night and i think not only was it the bat flips, this also helped kind of open the door um, to these kind of these in dugout celebrations. And we haven't, it really hasn't spilled over to the to the field yet, which is probably for the better. I think, um, I, I you know, I don't think you need to pimp a single home run for that long, but I think it is good. I good, think it is good to see the teams kind of celebrate it, and they've done that by celebrating in their dugouts with various things. Uh, just to stick with the Blue Jays here, uh, they hit a home run. They get like a uh, you know kind of a, a Masters type of jacket or a hall or a football Hall of Fame type of jacket, but instead of a green or a gold jacket, it's like a blue Homer jacket um, that they put on everyone after they hit a home run. Uh, the Oakland A's uh, they get the, they get to pick up and handle Mjolnir, uh, Thor's hammer, uh, after they hit a home run, you know, to signify their strength. And uh, 
you know, that, that hammer's been pretty safe these past couple of years, so that's for sure. There have been a lot of home runs hit out there in Oakland. But, you know, they have that. The Angels have the the Kabuto, the the Kabuto hat. The uh, it's like the samurai, like the samurai helmet with like the horns and and all the decorative stuff on it. So I think I really do think that you can trace all of this stuff in baseball back to the Batista bat flip. Um, you know, at the end of the playoffs of 2015, um, and then moving forward, obviously from the from the next season from 2016 onward. More bat flips, more celebrations. Uh, that's even led to more pitcher celebrations. I just think that the that was sort of that was sort of the the first signal that attitudes on celebrations uh, inside of baseball have had changed um, pretty dramatically and probably uh, for good. Uh, I don't I don't think we're ever going back to a time where you know if you hit a home run and you took an extra split second to jog around the bases, you know, you were going to get ear hold. I think that, I think that era of baseball is officially dead and gone. And we're into an era where, Hey, you're allowed to be happy that you hit a 500 foot home run that won a game. So, um, that's all for the better. So there you go. Number three, the Batista bat flip, and then thus ushering, ushering in the era of fun baseball. Our number two, I am going classic here. Very, very classic. I'm going to football and I'm going to go with the emphatic celebratory spike of a touchdown in football. I know this is kind of basic, bitch, but hear me out on this one. I think that there, of all the celebrations in football, and there are some good ones. Um, I, I love a good sack dance um, or sack celebration. Uh, amongst my favorite were uh, Jared Allen, the uh, the great uh, Minnesota Viking, amongst other places. But I think mostly you'll probably remember him as a Minnesota Viking. After he got a sack, he would uh, mimic roping a calf. Um, it, it almost, it kind of looks like he's doing a Jack in the Box kind of deal, but he's actually mimicking roping a calf. Uh, this guy's a big time cowboy. I think he, for, um, when his number was retired or his name was put in the, the Vikings ring of honor, um, he like rode in on a horse. <laughs> um, like he, he is an old school cowboy kind of guy. And, you know, his sack celebration that roping the calf was a qual- was an excellent one. Um, I always loved um, going back more to my era growing up uh, in the in the eighties and nineties. Neil Smith's uh, home run celebration after he sacked someone. Uh, Neil Smith, if you're not familiar with, uh, put in uh, put in the work with the Kansas City Chiefs uh, back in the eighties and nineties, uh, and and then won a couple Super Bowls with the Broncos towards the end of his career. But he would he would roll up a sack and then he would do a home run celebration, like a a deep drive home run celebration. He'd even do like the you know, kind of like he was watching the home run go. And I guess it was, uh, love this too. It was in honor of, uh, he started his career, Neil Smith started his career in Kansas City. And it was in honor, it was in honor of another Kansas City um, icon, uh, George Brett. So he was uh, paying homage to, uh, to George Brett uh, every time he got a sack, uh, which is one of the better ones. Um, a non-sack celebration that I always liked in football was uh, Gilbert Brown, the grave digger. Um, he would big... Gilbert Brown, one of the biggest motherfuckers to ever play football, like six three, easily three fifty, three sixty. Um, that's probably being generous in terms of the weight. Huge man, huge run stuffer in the middle, and he used to just clobber running backs. Um, and if, whenever he would clobber a running back, he would do his grave digger celebration, you know, mimicking digging a grave and flipping the dirt out. It was pretty great. But I think, I think nothing really signals signals a job done like spiking the football after a touchdown truly it is it is iconic there's a reason why why it, you know once it started it, it has continued to this day i'm not really sure when the first spike was that would have been a good thing to look up 
probably it's probably not even on camera, but um, there's a reason why this celebration has has you know just been a staple um, you know in the NFL. Uh, obviously, again, you, I mean, I guess you could do it in college football. You'll definitely get a flag for it uh, and sportsman like penalty for it. But there's a reason why this why spiking the football has stuck with the NFL and been synonymous with the NFL for so long. I mean, it's you know it's the highlights it's the highlighted celebration in Tech Mobile, right? Like spiking the football. And there's a reason why. It just I think it feels right after the after all the hard work you do to score score on a touchdown, whether it's one play or it's a 15 play drive. All that hard physical work, it feels like you just want it feels like it it just feels right to take that ball and smash it under the ground as hard as you can. And I think we do have some some legitimate standouts, um, you know, for that that were particularly good at spiking the football. Um, I'm just going to stick with some guys from my era, um, the recent era. Um, Gronk, Rob Gronkowski, his Gronk spikes were always classic. The power that he got behind him, I mean, he really cooked the he really cooked the football into the ground when he spiked it. And the fact that he would kind of put little spins on it, like when he was in London, he did. Uh, he did. He would. I think they played two or three times in London, and he scored in two of those games. And uh, he would do the, um, you know, the the beef eaters, the the London guards, uh, when you were the big furry hats and stuff. He would do like a march, uh, and then spike the ball after that, like in celebration of the beef eaters. Um, he did some. He had some other kind of variations on it. A casual one, a much more emphatic one, where he kind of like really almost like almost like run into it and spike it. Uh, but the Gronk spike, that guy just about flattened the football when he spiked it. Uh, pretty fantastic. And, you know, because of his size and height, he really got great amplitude on the, on the bounce uh, for most of his spikes. So the Gronk spike, one of the classic ones. And of more recent vintage, one of the vintage, one of the ones that I really, really enjoy. And uh, this is me being a little bit of a homer, but whatever. Um, our, uh, our own here in Cleveland, uh, David Njoku, the chief, chief David Njoku, and his signature chief slam. Uh, if you're unaware, David Njoku is uh, first generation American. His parents are from are from Nigeria, and his dad is quite literally uh, a tribal chief in Nigeria. Um, I I don't think it's quite the same. I don't think it's how you're picturing the responsibility and roles of a chief. Um, I, I think it's much more of like an administrative kind of deal. Like you're almost like the mayor of an, of an area. Um, but nonetheless, uh, so uh, Najoku's uh, nickname has been Chief, and he does the Chief Slam. It's this almost like this celebratory dance, and then this uh, this high jump spike between the legs. It's pretty fantastic. And lately, he's mixed it with a a, a pretty solid MMA celebration from uh, I'm gonna no I'm gonna butcher the butcher the name here Israel uh, Adesanya. Um, they call him the Style Bender. And uh, so Njoku has mixed the the Chief Slam with the Stylebender's um, bow and arrow celebration, where uh, he where the Stylebender unquivers three arrows and shoots him at his opponent that he just knocked out. Um, it so it, we go from so we we start with that and then we end with the with the with the double leg high Chief Slam. It's a fantastic variation uh, on on the fantastic variation on the classic emphatic touchdown spike. So that's my number two, the emphatic spike in football, classic. But I think I think really it's it's the one time that we have found the perfect celebration for its sport. All right. So what is going to be the number one best all time sports celebration? Uh, so we've already got baseball and football out of the way. Um, 
I don't know. What do you think? You think it's soccer? You think it's hockey? Uh, you think it's boxing? Uh, you think it's some other combat sport? No. I am going to a sport that a lot of people, at least in this country, uh, don't really have don't really have um, a deep understanding or appreciation for. And I think that if they if more people in America did, this would become a very, very popular sport at the youth level. And I think it also would be it would be a very good sport for um, very good sport for young football players to learn um, so they can learn how to tackle correctly. Uh, so I am going to rugby very, very specifically. I'm going to New Zealand rugby. And I'm talking about the New Zealand national team. Uh, they call themselves the All Blacks. Uh, they're called the All Blacks because they wear all black, um, appropriately enough. Their uniforms are usually all black and silver, some kind of combination of all black, silver, and white. Um, the The All Blacks do... Well, the haka is a Maori dance. Um, it's a battle dance. You know, to set... Uh, I'm not going to get too far into the to the cultural history of this necessarily, but... Basically, the haka is sort of a way for a way for warriors to set the challenge to other warriors. So, if um, you know, if back in the day when uh, when certain New Zealand tribes were uh, you know were going to battle against other New Zealand tribes, they would uh, they would set the challenge with a ritual haka, um, this very very uh, demonstrative dance um, with a lot of chanting, clapping stomping some faces basically and each each one is each each dance is very significant into of its in into itself right like it's they're they're crafted by um it's not like it's it's not like a national anthem or something like that that they always do each haka is different each each haka is different for um and, and i'm going to bring this back to sports we'll zoom into to the modern haka um you know they're, they're not going to war with each other like that now um but when the All Blacks, um, you know, take on a team, you know, in the Rugby World Cup or some kind of other international play, each haka is designed specifically for that situation to set the challenge and, um, you know, and intimidate that specific rival. So each one has its own meaning. Each one has its own um, cadence. Um, each one has, you know, they're all different, basically, even when they... Um, even when they celebrate, they celebrate with a different haka. So this isn't just a the I think the the mo, the one that you'd probably be familiar with if you have ever seen this. The one that you probably be familiar with is the sort of setting the challenge uh, and kind of setting the stage for the game to start. But they also do have hakas for when they do when they are victorious. And the All Blacks are very frequently victorious. If you are unfamiliar with uh, with rugby, especially like at an international level. The All Blacks are the 1927 Yankees, the 1996 Yankees, the uh, you know the uh, the 1906 Cubs, the undefeated Patriots, the undefeated Bears, all rolled into one. Um, they are an extraordinarily dominant dominant team when it comes to international rugby. Um, both in the World Cup, both at the World Cup and other international competitions, they win a lot and they win at all levels a lot. So it does. So it is very. Um, it is sort of um, their their sport is tied very closely into their culture since we're not talking about a big time sports nation. Um, you know, we're not talking about a. This isn't the United States. This isn't um, you know. This isn't English soccer or European soccer. This is what they do. Rugby is what New Zealand does on the international stage, and they do it better pretty much than everyone else. And so, tying in this very important. 
this very important historic cultural, um, you know, this very important historic cultural, um, uh, you know, I, I don't want to call it just a dance because it's more than that. This ritual um, is is very, very big time for them. It really is. It really does have more meaning than just something to, again, the more if this is more than just the uh, Braves fans doing the Braves fans and Chiefs fans doing the chop. This is more than, uh, you know, than uh, Fireman Ed leading the J-E-T-S Jets, Jets, Jets chant. This is something very, very, almost, almost religious, right, for um, for the New Zealand rugby team when they go out and they go, uh, you know, showcase their skills on, a, on an international level. Um, so, I mean, it, and I'm really not exaggerating. Like, if you, if you see all the situations that the haka is used in, that's like the most common one is, is now in sporting, but the haka is also used for, um, for mourning, right? There's like this pretty great, I remember a few years ago, there was this pretty great uh, viral video for uh, a teacher. I think it can't remember if it was a teacher or a principal at like an all boys school who died fairly young, like in his fifties or something like that, but was really, really, really beloved by the school and the community I'm sorry, I'm just looking up his name. Dawson Tamatea. Um, that was his, if you if you go find the viral video. Uh, Dawson Tamatea, um, when he died, his you know funeral procession, funeral procession went uh, actually to the all-boys school. And every single boy was out there um, for his, uh, you know, for the car, for the hearse that, uh, you know, that brought his body to the, uh, you know, brought his body through for the procession. Uh, every single boy was out there doing a ritual morning haka. So it, it really is for them. It really is for them more than just a, a chant, a sports chant. It is something that is very culturally significant for them. And the fact that they bring it the fact that they bring it to their to their sporting uh you know, to their sporting events, to their teams, um, you know, it, it is it is very, very much one of those things of natu- national pride that they hang on to. So for me, I think the combination of this being like very culturally significant, um, and also the fact that again, I, I all the teams do it. Like all the all the New Zealand um, national teams do it. the The All Blacks rugby team does it. The Silver Ferns, I think, are the women's women's rugby team does it. Um, the I love this. the uh, The men's national basketball team, the Tall Blacks, they do it. Um, everyone does it. Uh, this so I love that this is like a very very deeply cultural thing for them that they've that they've taken um, through all their sports to kind of sh- to to kind of showcase their culture to the rest of the world. And not only that, it's just badass. It legitimately is one of the coolest things to kick off a sporting event. Um, this would, I, I, I would love, I would love if more if more teams in our leagues did something along this line to get games started because that would really amp up, amp up the intensity quite a bit. There is, I'm telling you, you get goosebumps um, watching some of these, um, watching some of these New Zealand hakas. There's one in particular from, I want to say it's from like the possibly the 2015 no the 2011 rugby cup rugby world cup um in the in the finals i pretty and i'm pretty sure new zealand ended up winning this one um they uh they set the challenge to france and it is intense um it is intense the way the just the the chant is intense the the facial expressions are intense france actually kind of as a team like moves up to kind of go face to face with them while they're doing the haka it's awesome like I really, really wish we had something of that nature, um, of that nature in in our sports, but we simply don't. And that is why the All Blacks Haka is, in fact, the top celebration 
the best celebration of all the celebrations in sports. And before we wrap up this, with this episode, I'll just get to a couple of quick honorable mentions here. Uh, the Lambeau Leap is is right there with some of these other ones. And it's really um, the Lambeau Leap and, and leaping, you know, obviously it originates or made fit most famous by uh, by the Green Bay Packers. And because it was a tradition uh, of the Green Bay Packers, when the NFL cracked down on celebrations in you know the early 2000s, the only reason why players were still allowed to leap into the stands was because of the Lambeau Leap tradition. Like they couldn't, they couldn't bar it, you know, from every other team, but, but the Green Bay Packers, right? It would sort of be like, you know, whoever, let's just, let's just pretend like the Pittsburgh Steelers invented the spike. If for some reason, you know, the spike became outlawed, it would be like banning every team, but the Steelers from spiking it. You just can't do that. So the only reason why players were still allowed to leap into the stands when uh, the NFL had its celebration uh, embargo, and for a long time, we, at least I called it, and a lot of people called it the No Fun League, um, the only reason why the by, why jumping into the stands was allowed was because of the Lambeau Leap, because of how popular it was, and they knew they couldn't ban it. Because then you'd have to ban a, a, a almost, you know, at that point, a, you know, what, a 60-, 70-year tradition uh, from Green Bay. So Lambeau Leap, honorable mention. Uh, also going to give an honorable mention to the, and I, I love these, I wish there's more of it, the long ice slides in hockey after a goal. Um, you know, you, you got someone that hits an absolute sniper from, uh, you know, from a, from a long way out. I love it when they build up some speed on their celebration and just do like a complete sprawl on the, on the ice. Or, you know, more of a controlled slide. There was a, a guy from back in the day, Tiger Williams, who would uh, essentially ride his stick. He would kind of like prop between his legs and put some weight on it and but like keep it propped up so he would just kind of slide on the ice on his stick um one of the more famous ice slides is uh theo flurry after he scored a goal it had to be the playoffs I, i'm pretty sure when he was with uh, calgary um scores a goal and he just at a, i mean he is flying on the ice after this goal and does this like elongated slide all the way across from from one side of the rink to the other i love those long hockey slides they're so much fun great way to celebrate so the ice slides in hockey, little honorable mention here. And then my final honorable mention, um, the turnover chain from the U. Um, the U getting two mentions for celebrations in here. Um, they don't do it anymore. Uh, I don't. I, I, at least I'm pretty sure uh, they, they didn't do it last year. I don't think they were doing it this year. Um, but the, the turnover chain popped up in like 2018 maybe, 2017 or 18. Um, after after every time the Miami defense would force a turnover, they would get this very garish gold Cuban link chain with the U logo on it, and then it set off a, a million imitators. Some of them were pretty fun. Um, all of them were ridiculous. Uh, there was like Tulane had like the Tulane had like the gigantic oversized uh, Mardi Gras beads. There was like a cloak or something that Memphis would put on. Um, would put on uh, their players for getting a turnover. I, someone got a, a ridiculous-looking belt. I think my favorite and most ridiculous one, uh, again, right here in my backyard, uh, uh, University of Akron, uh, they had – so if you're unfamiliar with Akron, um, known as the rubber capital of the world, uh, it's where Goodyear is headquartered. Uh, a lot of once upon a time, uh, pretty much every tire that was on every car in the country was made was made in Akron. Their old stadium was called the old stadium at the University of Akron was called the Rubber Bowl. Um, so you know where I'm going with this one. Uh, um, when the when the University of Akron would get a turnover, I don't know if they, again I don't know if they still do this. This was from a couple years ago. University of Akron would get a turnover. 
you would get the turnover tire. And it's not, it is not a tire, like a small tire on a chain. They would just take a tire and throw it over the head of the person who got the turnover. I am 1000% not kidding. This was a real thing that the University of Akron did, or perhaps they still do. Um, And honestly, I hope they never get rid of it. You might as well be absurd when you're in school like the University of Akron. Uh, No offense. Great school. Excellent school. Not exactly a a great, even for a small school, a Mac school. Not exactly a great Mac school even. Um, But that's it. That is our, uh, that is the end of our, our celebration episode here. Once again, just to recap here, the top three from uh, in uh, ascending order. So we got the Batista bat flip that really kind of opened the floodgates for more celebrations and baseball kind of removing the stick from its ass. Uh, the in, number two, the emphatic classic spike in football that has, it has stood the test of time. It's basic bitch stuff, but there's a reason why it's basic bitch because it's fucking good. And then finally, the best of the best, the best celebration in all the sports, the All Blacks Haka. It gets all the points for being badass, intimidating, very fun way to kick off the game and end the game, and having some significant cultural relevance to the the people and the players who are on the team and cheer on the uh, cheer on the New Zealand, uh, the New Zealand rugby team and all the New Zealand teams. But uh, the All Blacks Haka, uh, the number one sports celebration. Do you agree or disagree with me? If you disagree with me, I think you're wrong completely. But maybe you can make some convincing arguments. I left something off this list. Left something off the honorable mentions. I don't know. Let me know in the comments. Um, but uh, regardless, thanks for uh, thanks for staying tuned for this episode. And now we're gonna get we're gonna get right into it, and we're gonna talk the best of the best in terms of sports villains. <laughs> 